Chapter ninety six of Thomas Wingfold, Curate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. Chapter ninety six The Curate's Resolve. The next day was Sunday. Twelve months had not yet elapsed since the small events with which my narrative opened. The change which had passed, not merely upon the opinions, but in the heart and mind and very being of the curate, had not then begun to appear even to himself, although its roots were not only deep in him, but deep beyond him, even in the source of him and now he was in a state of mind a state of being rather of whose nature at that time he had not and couldn't have had the faintest for feeling the most shadowy conception it had been a season of great trouble but the gain had been infinitely greater for now were the bonds of the finite broken he had burst the shell of the mortal and was of those over whom the second death has no power the agony of the second birth was past and he was a child again only a child he knew but a child of the kingdom and the world and all that god cared about in it was his as no miser's gold could ever belong to its hoarder while the created universe yeah and the uncreated also once it sprang lay open to him in the boundless free-giving of the original thought all things are yours and you are christ's and christ is god's he understood the words even as he who said them understood them and as the wise of this world never will understand them until first they become fools that they may be wise at the same time a great sorrow threatened him from the no less mysterious region of his relations to humanity but if that region and its most inexplicable care were beyond the rule of the life that dwelt in him then was the life no true god and the whole thing was false for he loved ellen with a love that was no invention or creation of his own and if not his then whose certainly not of one who when it threatened to overwhelm him was unable to uphold him under it this thing also belonged to the god of his being a poor god must he be for men and women who did not care about the awful things involved in the relation between them therefore even in his worst anxieties about helen i do not mean in his worst seasons of despair at the thought of never gaining her love he had never yet indeed consciously regarded the winning of her as a possibility but at those times when he most plainly saw her the submissive disciple of george bascom and the two seemed to fancy to be straying away together into a wild field full of dark mountains when he saw her so capable of the noblest submitting her mind to the entrance of the poorest meanest shabbiest theories of life 
and taking for a guide one who could lead her to no conscious well-being or make provision for sustainment when the time of suffering and anxiety should come or the time of health and strength be over when yet she must live on when he saw her adopting a system of things whose influence would shrivel up instead of developing her faculties crush her imagination with such a mounting weight as was never piled above titan and dwarf the old divine woman within her to the size and condition of an aztec even then was he able to reason with himself she belongs to god not to me and god loves her better than ever i could love her if she should set out with her blind guide it will be but a first day's journey she will go through marshy places and dry sands across the far breadth of which lo the blue mountains that shelter the high vales of sweetness and peace and with this he not only tried to comfort himself but succeeded i do not say to contentment but to quiet contentment which whatever its immediate shape to be contentment at all must be the will of god lay beyond alas that men cannot believe there is such a thing as that good and acceptable and perfect will of god to those that do believe it it is a rejoicing of conscious deliverance and now this sunday wingfold entered the pulpit prepared at last to utter his resolve happily nothing had been done to introduce the confusing element of another will the bishop had heard nothing of the matter and if anything had reached the rector he had not spoken not one of the congregation not even mrs ranshorn had hinted to him that he ought to resign it had been left altogether with himself and now he would tell them the decision to which the thought he had taken had conducted him i will give you a portion of his sermon enough to show us how he showed the congregation the state of his mind in reference to the grand question and the position he took in relation to his hearers it is time my hearers he said because it is now possible to bring to a close that uncertainty with regard to the continuance of our relation to each other which i was in the springtime of the year compared by mental circumstance to occasion i then forced myself for very dread of the honesty of an all-knowing god to break through every convention of the church and the pulpit and speak to you of my most private affairs i told you that i was sure of not one of those things concerning which it is taken for granted that a clergyman must be satisfied but that i would not at once yield my office lest in that act i should seem to declare unbelief of many a thing which even then i desired to find true in leaving me undisturbed either by complaint expostulations or proffered instruction you my hearers have granted me the leisure of which i stood in need meantime i have endeavoured to show you the best i saw while yet 
I dared not say I was sure of anything. I have thus kept you, those at least who cared to follow my path, acquainted with my mental history. And now I come to tell you the practical result at which I have arrived. But then I say that I will not forsake my curiosity, still less my right and duty to teach whatever I seem to know, I must not therein convey the impression that I have attained that conviction and assurance the discovery of the absence of which was the cause of the whole uncertain proceeding. All I now say is that in the story of Jesus I have beheld such grandeur to me apparently altogether beyond the reach of human invention, such a radiation of divine loveliness and truth, such hope for man, soaring miles above every possible pitfall of fate, and have at the same time, from the endeavour to obey the word recorded as his, experienced such a conscious enlargement of mental faculty, such a deepening of moral strength, such an enhancement of ideal, such an increase of faith, hope, and charity towards all men, that I now declare with the consent of my whole man, I cast in my lot with the servants of the crucified. I am content even to share their delusion, if delusion it be, for it is the truth of the God of men to me. I will stand or fall with the story of my Lord. I will take my chance. I speak not in irreverence, but in honesty. My chance of failure or success in regard to whatever may follow in this life or the life to come, if there be a life to come, on the words and will of the Lord Jesus Christ, who hath impressed as I am with the truth of his nature, the absolute devotion of his life, and the essential might of his being, I yet obey not. I shall not only deserve to perish, but in that very refusal draw ruin upon my head. Before God I say it, I would rather be crucified with that man, so it might be a, as a disciple and not as a thief that creeps, intrudes, or climbs into the fold, than I would reign with him over such a kingdom of grandeur as would have satisfied the imagination and love ambition of his mother. I hope I am justified in declaring myself a disciple of the Son of Man, and in devoting my life and the renewed energy and enlarged, yea, infinite hope which he has given me to his brothers and sisters of my race, that if possible I may gain some to be partakers of the blessedness of my hope. Henceforth I am, not in holy orders, I reject the phrase, but under holy orders, even the orders of Christ Jesus, which is the law of liberty, the law whose obedience alone can set a man free from inborrowing slavery. And if any man yet say that, because of my lack of absolute assurance, I have no right to the sacred post, let him, I answer, who has been assailed by such doubt as mine, and from the citadel of his faith sees no more one lingering shadow of a foe, let him cast at me the first stone. Vain challenge, for such a one will never cast a stone at man or woman. 
but let not him whose belief is but the absence of doubt who has never loved enough that which he thinks he believes to have felt a single fear lest it should not be true let not that man i say cast at me pebble from the brook or cloven rock from the mount of the law for either will fall heartless at my feet friends i have for the last time spoken of myself in this place ye have borne with me in my trials and i thank you those who have not only borne but suffered and do now rejoice with me i thank tenfold i have done save for one word to the christians of this congregation the waves of infidelity are coming with a strong wind and a flowing tide who is to blame god it cannot be for the believers they are as they were it is the christians who are to blame i do not mean those who are called christians but those who call and count themselves christians i tell you and i speak to each one of whom it is true that you hold and present such a withered starved miserable death's head idea of christianity that you are yourselves such poverty-stricken believers if believers you are at all that the notion you present to the world as your ideal is so commonplace so false to the grand gracious mighty-hearted jesus that you are the cause why the truth hang its head in patience and rides not forth on the white horse conquering and to conquer you dull its lustre in the eyes of men you deform its fair proportion you you represent not that which it is but that which it is not yet call yourselves by its name you are not the salt of the earth but a salt that has lost its savour for ye seek all things else first and to that seeking the kingdom of god and his righteousness shall never be added until you repent and believe afresh believe in a nobler christ namely the christ revealed by himself and not a muffled form of something vaguely human and certainly not at all divine which the false interpretations of men have substituted for him you will be as i repeat you are the main reason why faith is so scanty in the earth and the enemy comes in like a flood for the sake of the progress of the truth and that into nobler minds than yours it were better you joined the ranks of the enemy and declared what i fear with many of you is the fact that you believe not at all but whether in some sense you believe or not the fact remains that while you are not of those christians who obey the word of the master doing the things he says to them you are of those christians if you will be called by the name to whom he will say i never knew you go forth into the outer darkness then at least will the church be rid of you and the honest daughter will have room to breathe the divine air of the presence of jesus but oh what unspeakable bliss of heart and soul and mind and sense remains for him who likes him poor is crucified with christ who lives no more from his own self 
but is inspired and informed and possessed with the same faith towards the father in which jesus lived and wrought the will of the father if the words attributed to jesus are indeed the words of him whom jesus declared himself then truly is the fate of mankind a glorious one and that first and last because men have god supremely ground all perfect in godhead for that is and that alone can be the absolute bliss of the created End of chapter 96